And welcome listeners to Hard Hats and High Viz, episode two, week two of uh, the election edition of the Two Jacks featuring Jack the Insider, that's me, and Hong Kong Jack. G'day, Jack. Hi, Jack. How are you? I'm very, very well today. It's Easter Monday. Most people are off work, but we have been working hard overnight looking at all the things that are coming together in this uh, federal election campaign. Jack, who won the week last week? And why? And does it matter? Well, I like Margaret Simons in the nine newspapers this morning. I probably read it so you don't have to. Yeah, thank uh, you. Um, but uh, she she was criticising people for uh, journalists for talking about this the media. Yeah, for, for talking about this in in sporting terms, um, and I think she's got a point. Um, it really isn't about you don't win the election because you win week one, but it's a bit like a test match. It's nice to win the session, but you've got to understand all the way through that you can lose the test match in one session later in the game, later in the match. Mm. Um, so it's important to know who wins. That concentrates the people who are involved in it, but it doesn't determine the, the, the outcome of the whole thing. And, of course, we had the elbow gaff. Um, it was, uh, there was an attempt there to say that he gaffed again, I think, on the Wednesday and the Thursday over refugee policy, but he gaffed over the unemployment rate and he gaffed over the cash rate, which Morrison was asked to respond to, and he actually got it wrong too. It's 0.6 or it was at, on, at the time uh, the question was well, asked. I, I didn't think that gaff mattered all that much. I think John Howard got that right. Who cares, really? Yeah, um, it was an interesting uh, Interesting remark from uh, old John. Maybe he, yeah. thought, maybe he thought Morrison had made it because he was yeah, very be, assertive be, about it. He could be getting confused in his old age. But um, <laughs> what I thought was more notable than the gaffe itself was that for the next few days, Elbow looked clearly rattled. He was rattled, wasn't he? You know, it, mm. it went on for a couple of days where he was sort of stammering and looking not confident at all, not not uh, um, uh, confident in the role that he was playing as a potential Prime Minister, leader of the opposition. To, to annoy Margaret Simons, he looked like he just played and missed a few times and he was just desperate to find the middle of the bat, you know. <laughs> We're going to go on with that sporting metaphor. What he needs is a medium pacer just to drop one short outside the off yeah, yeah, and just yeah. get it... <laughs> Just get inside it and build the point boundary and get underway. Yeah, it just get that, just get that like feeling that. that's come right out of the middle, you know. And, uh, uh. Yeah, but it was more that it seemed like it was more than the gaff, and, and I don't want to do any sort of tea leaf reading on this program, but it, it would seem that the gaff came perhaps after the release of internal uh, Labor polling, which might have showed them in. In a, in a in a difficult situation, it just seemed like there was more to it than just a misspeak at a presser. Well, it certainly looked a bit like that, didn't it? You know, he just, yeah, no, he didn't look confident at all. Yes. Uh, and, and look, meanwhile, the, the coalition have had some problems in the in the seat of Warringah, currently held by independent Zali Stegall. Uh, and this is Tony got, Abbott's old seat, by the way. Tony Abbott's old seat that uh, Zali Stegall took from him at the last election. And uh, the issue is with uh, with the coalition's uh, Catherine Deves, I believe is the, the, the right uh, pronunciation. She was a Morrison captain's pick, and that's kind of uh, the way you probably got to put it in, 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 in so far as uh, he intercepted... Um, uh, intervened, I should say, over over um, uh, New South Wales uh, uh, pre-selections, and so Deves is nominally, at least, his pick. And she'd had some fairly ordinary things to say about uh, the uh, the Rainbow Movement and the trans and, and trans people generally, talking about body mutilations and summoning up Hitler and all sorts of nonsense that she had scrubbed from the pages of her social media accounts, uh, but then uh, these were, these became known one, two, three, and she apologised each time, and Morrison was asked if, she, if he continued to support her, and of course he does. The problem with that is that his foreign minister doesn't seem to. Maurice Payne was on the insiders yesterday morning and uh, was at 
so it's considerable pains uh, not to uh, endorse her or, or otherwise. And Matt I think, Jean, I, who's, I think she tried about eleven different ways not to endorse. Her. <laughs> it was a little awkward. And uh, and of course you've got Matt Keane and a number of other. The, the, the thing liberals. I've enjoyed about the about the, about the Catherine Dees thing is that uh, it's turned into a little bit of a soap opera. You know, they found out that. Um, uh, one of her advisors is, in fact, Zali Stegel's former husband's current partner. Yeah, Zali's uh, not happy about that. Yeah, <laughs> which, As you might which, just, which it sort of gave it that sort of feel of home and away, really, didn't it? You know. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's and and that's where you shoot home and away, wouldn't you? What somewhere? Yeah, well, it's a little beach somewhere in Moringa. I think home and away is in McKellar, but it's the it's, it's, it's the the electorate next door. Yeah, 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 yeah indeed. Yeah, so, so, so it was all of that. My my issue, my issue now is that. Um, uh, Morrison, look, they were never going to win Warringah. They were never going to win Probably Warringah. not, no. You no. Know, they might, might have put JC up uh, up there. He might have stood a chance, outside chance, but uh, yeah. uh, uh, Zali Stegel looks uh, an absolute lock to win Warringah or retain Warringah. Um, so perhaps Morrison is, uh, is signalling to uh, Western Sydney, um, other parts of the country in his support for Deves, Jack. What do you think? Oh well, we'll get we'll get back to this when, when we talk about the issues that parties should be talking about. But I, I certainly think um, the trans uh, rainbow stuff might be a losing issue for the coalition in uh, Warringah. But I'm reasonably confident it's a winning issue where the election will be won and lost, which is in the regions and the outer suburbs of Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane. Yes, look, uh, there is one particular seat that we would focus on there, Reed, which is in, you know, right slap uh, in in Western Sydney, which is uh, kind of on the nice edge. It's currently coalition held. So, yes, I wonder if Morrison's support for Dees is really just signalling to the West, knowing that Warringah's probably a lost cause anyway. Um and we've talked about where the leaders... One, one, one thing I did like this week, I, I saw Elbow on Good Friday at uh, St. Charbel's uh, Maronite uh, uh, Church in Western Sydney. Mm. Um, uh, it was quite a lineup. Uh, I think from the Labor side, uh, there was Elbow and Jason Clare and Tony Burke. Mm. Um, and um, on the other side of the aisle uh, was were Jenny Morrison and uh, the two daughters and uh, Tony Abbott. Um, and... The Maronites, for those who don't know, are a, a Lebanese Catholic church. They're kind of part of and kind of not part of the Catholic church, but it's, yes. it's huge in Western Sydney, um, and, um, and and it's kind of the heartland for that socially conservative uh, migrant community uh, uh, that both parties really need to pick up. Labor has kind of dropped the ball with that group a fair bit over the last two elections. I think Burke and Bowen and people like that understand those issues pretty they well. They do, yeah. yeah. Whether, whether that filters all the way to the tops, the question. Yeah, okay. So, look, this does lead us into where the leaders were and, and what we can sort of try and determine. This is a little bit of tea leaf reading, but where they are will tell us where they think they can win or they might have to sandbag if they look like they're getting rolled. So if, uh, for example, the coalition is in the ascendant, uh, they might be having a go at some Labor-held marginals. Um, and, of course, uh, you might find in that circumstance that Labor gets into those marginals too to sandbag and try and, uh, try and hold on to them. Uh, this week we saw... Uh, the two leaders essentially around Eastern Australia. Uh, Morrison was in Gilmore, which tells us that they uh, still expect to win that. That's currently held by Labor on a fairly short margin, I think just over 1%. Uh, and they think that uh, that is still winnable for the coalition uh, with, of course, um, uh, a former uh, treasurer and former transport minister uh, in the New South Wales Liberal State Government, Andrew Constance, is the uh, is not the parachute uh, candidate because he he lives and lives in the sort of bigger area. Uh, he's the Liberal candidate against a sitting Labor member. Uh, so Morrison was there. Uh, overall, um, uh, they spent time in Chisholm, uh, both in Chisholm and Dunkley. Uh, Chisholm, of course, is a is a, a coalition 
held marginal. Dunkley probably in that safer category for, for Labor. And Morrison was in Karangamite, which is another Labor-held marginal, always a marginal uh, Karangamite. Um, uh, and both men were in Brisbane, but didn't spend a lot of time out in the uh, out in the boonies where uh, where seats will be won and lost. So I, I, I saw this morning they were both in the seat of Brisbane, and, and I, I must confess I've got a personal interest in this because the Labor candidate, Madonna Jarrett, Madonna Jarrett, I think would be she'll at least be a minister if um, uh, if 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 she wins and gets into into parliament. And, I, and I've known her for thirty years, thirty plus years. So yeah, um, she'd be outstanding. But uh, I was. Interested that they turned up there because it didn't look all that winnable to me. But maybe she's on the right track. Well, they need need just on five percent, four point yeah, yeah. nine to win the seat uh, to win Brisbane. Uh, I'll get to the betting shortly, but um, the, the, at this stage, the, the coalition are sort of favoured to hold that one. It is in that band of marginals in Queensland that might be winnable. Um, with uh, but there there are a couple of couple couple ahead uh, of uh, of Brisbane there, um, <clears throat> yeah. Look, it, it'll be very interesting to see that. The other thing that I, I think is a big question is: Will Morrison go west? Will he go to Western Australia? Well, has he given up on the west? Yeah, has he just given up? Sort of, sort of the Morrison version of the Brisbane line in nineteen forty-two. <laughs> you know, and, um, uh, you know, uh, we we just can't defend anything north of Brisbane. You know, uh, uh, <laughs> just just to annoy Margaret Simmons, that's like declaring uh, declaring when you're only nine down. Yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no good letting these blokes have a bat. Yeah, so uh, is he conceding at least um, the two seats, maybe three uh, that are. Uh, uh, that are up for grabs, and of course, as we know, at a state level, Liberal Party virtually doesn't exist in Western Australia. They've been completely smothered to death by um, uh, by Mark McGowan. Um, so is he just is he just going to give them up? It'll be really interesting to see if he goes over there. It's a big trip for a start. You just don't go over there for a day. You've got to be over there for a few days. And then you wonder, well, perhaps I should be in Queensland. Perhaps in, I should be in New South Wales. Perhaps I should be doing a bit of campaign in Victoria and Tasmania. Interesting to see whether they're coughing up those two seats. And we'll get to where that all sits in, in betting markets shortly. We did see also during the week, uh, and, and really it was kind of in this sort of echo of uh, of, of the Albanese uh, unemployment rate gaffe, that Twitter started having a crack at journalists, uh, Jack. So Specifically like, at ABC and Nine journalists. ABC. I, I so they're, they're always having the a crack side. at you lot from News Limited, but this was different. They were having a crack at their own to some extent. <laughs> well, there, there were, specifically the, the, the wailing uh, came from um, uh, a drinks, or I think it was just drinks, not dinner, uh, at the rowing club in Penrith, that Mor- and Morrison invited media along, uh, and this was said to be appalling. Uh, you know, an attempt to bribe by buying your beer. Um, uh, if you're a journalist, you'd accept that invitation, wouldn't you? Of course, you would. Um, and, and and when the journalists made the obvious point that this has been happening as long for as long as campaigns have been going on, <laughs> um, and that, that every political party does it. Possibly the Greens give you a chai latte instead, but. Um, but certainly, both the, but both the both the big parties uh, are quite adept at something. Well, look, it's been a long day on the campaign on the bus. You know, um, we're stopping off at the rowing club. Uh, the drinks are on us. You know, um, and, uh, and 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 there's just nothing to it. Um, As a journalist, it's about access. You've got to have access. You know, win, lose, yeah. or draw. I mean, regardless of what personal views you might hold, you have got to have access to be any good. And besides, some of the older school journalists running around have had access one way, and and uh, would not be looking forward to uh, to the other mob getting into power because they won't have access. So this is this is one of those things. If you if you go too far one way, you're always in a bit of trouble. If uh, if if uh, if uh, we do have a change of government, but for for young journalists starting out, you, you want like, access. You mean like Nicky Sather when they sacked Malcolm Turnbull? 
haven't seen much of Nikki's columns. This well, that's probably why. You know, I mean, yeah. uh, she was thick as thieves with Malcolm's office, and um, and no one else wants to talk to her. Yeah, look, I, I, we we need to sort of get a little bit more rational about all of this. That that um, you know. Accepting a accepting a couple of drinks <laughs> while you, you know, journalists right now are working from about five o'clock in the morning to about nine o'clock at night, filing in between, having to go to all of these things, uh, and, and and then getting back on the bus, getting back on the bus. This is not an in, this is not supposed to be an enjoyable day, by the way. You know, what I mean? you wouldn't do it on too. your day off. Put it that way. No. Oh yes, no. Scotty. Yeah. I'm, I'll uh, jump in the front bar with you and have a drink. You wouldn't do it on your day off. You've got to do it because you need access to those people, not just the the, the political, uh, the senior political people themselves, but their staff. So you can basically tap them whenever you need them uh, during the campaign and, and, and indeed outside it. Um, but, yes, I think more generally, don't you find that, that bias is like beauty in this respect only, uh, it, 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 it is simply uh, in the eye of the beholder. Well, well, I think that to a large extent that's true. What really amused me about the, the Twitter pile-on uh, was that they were attacking um, uh, the insiders that, that they were describing as virtually as a, uh, a Liberal National Party uh, mouthpiece, you know, mm. and, and individual journos on it. And... I just thought back to the last election and anybody who watched the ABC's election coverage on election night and insiders the next day um, would have observed that all of the journalists looked like someone had peed in their soup. Um, uh, well, they might have had a few bob. They might have had a few bob on a, on a yeah. Labor win, Jack, you know, because that's the way it looked. It might look like that. They they didn't look very happy with the result. Firstly, because they got it wrong, but secondly, that because because they didn't they didn't look happy with the result. So the idea that um, that they're all Liberal National Party mouthpieces is just ridiculous. You know, I mean, I think if I think if you really think that, you need to have a chat to your therapist. You know, Um, look, I I look at uh, interviews. You know, Lee Sales a great interview, and I I look at her interviews with with senior uh, political figures, be they from Labor or Liberal, wherever. And then I'll watch, and then I'll look at Twitter for the responses. And the right will say she's biased, and the left will say she's biased. I mean, it's just she she, she literally can't win. Uh, it wouldn't matter, except, it wouldn't matter what this, she did. Except that this pile on has come from pretty much one direction. It's come from the left, and and, and your and your and your pal Lee Sales nailed it. Um, she's left Twitter, um, and. In, in, in the reason for her leaving Twitter, she said, I don't think our role is to give a free pass to one side. And I think she's Absolutely as, right. as often spot on. Absolutely right. And I don't think she ever has, but there's, oh, no. God, you know, people will pick up on this minutiae and agonise over it and declare that she's biased one way or another. And, of course, Twitter probably is, you know, sort of a... Uh, sort of a bit of a leftist enclave, and that's where most of most of that criticism comes from. But it's interesting, also, you know, that you know Scott Morrison, for example, won't be interviewed by uh, Salzy's uh, mate, um, uh, and, and so you know they've got a perception that uh, that she'll go uh, uh, that she'll go that she'll go hard on them. You know, I mean, what's, what's the old uh, ABC the line about liberal line about the ABC? It's our enemies talking to our friends. <laughs> I, I, I get the I get the um, perception from looking at some of the ABC reporting over the last week or so that they are bending over backwards not to be biased, uh, not to well, appear well, well, biased, which is I a think, ridiculous thing to do. I think it's a, a ridiculous response. Yeah, maybe they're chasing their tails a bit, but 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 it's a ridiculous response anyway because it shows that you know that you, you're actually listening to the mob uh, rather than just getting about and doing your job the right way. Oh, and I think there's a, there's probably a distinction between Lee Sales and Laura Tingle. Um, uh, Laura Tingle kind of, uh, if you have a glance at her social media account, she kind of nails her, ma- uh, her colours to the mask. Uh, look, she might, but I, I don't see that she's, you know, I mean, I, I, again, I just don't get that per- perception that she goes one way or the other, depending on who she interviews. But she won't interview Morrison because they've said no. 
Well, yeah. Because Morrison's mob have said no. So, you know, they perceive some sort of bias there. But I think, you know, bias really is in the eye of the beholder. Jack, what does Labor need to do to win this election? Well, it really depends what they can get people to talk about. And that depends. And that depends on what they talk about themselves. Um, and there are some real, there are some prominent losing issues, I think, for Labor. Um, here's my little list of things that I don't think they should talk about at all. This is the do not it. discuss under any circumstances. Do not discuss, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, unless someone's burning you with, with a live, live cigarette. Um, <laughs> so that, that would include climate change. Right. A losing issue for Labor. And so, and so just, just briefly, why is that? Is that because there's the, the, the mixed messages of yep. uh, the, the, you know uh, Shortland and Hunter and, uh, yep. uh, in, in the coal, coal mining uh, regions in New South Wales and in Queensland, of course, too? And people don't want to be told that this is going to cost them a lot of money. Um, trans issues, all that sort of stuff, absolute losing issue for Labor where they need to win the seats. Um, uh, asylum seekers, no one really quite trusts them on asylum seekers. And, and again, uh-huh. that's a losing issue where you need to win the election. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and also big spending programs, just don't mention them. And they don't seem to have any. <laughs> Look, they did announce uh, what's a relatively small spend, 150 uh, $158 million, I think it was, on this uh, sort of GP centres. Uh, or emergency yeah, I watched, Jim, I watched Jim Chalmers on Inside as they played it, uh, replayed it last late last night um, uh, here in uh, in Hong Kong, um, and he's a pretty good performer, but God, he looked awful um, uh, trying <laughs> to explain how this is going to work. It, you know, you just got the feeling, oh, this is one more of those labour things. We're going to spend way too much money. It's not going to work anyway. You know. I mean, uh, so, have so you got a similar it? list for the coalition, what they I don't do, want to talk about? I do, yeah. Hawaii? Yeah. Hawaii, you'd have to be there with it. Don't mention Hawaii. does no, not exist. Don't mention Hawaii um, uh, at, at all, I don't think. Um, uh, and, um, uh, you know, what else? You wouldn't mention anything to do with spending money and pork barrelling because um, uh, that's a losing issue for them. You, but you still you still do it, but you just don't talk about it. Is that you what you're saying? Talk about it. Yeah. Well, in, in the same way that Labor is still going to have their views on climate change and trans issues, you just don't talk about it during the campaign. Mm, mm, mm. So yes, uh, uh, and, and, and so I guess what we what we're getting around to what what does Labor want the the discussion to be about? So one thing I would think is accountability in government. Now we can talk about an ICAC and what sort of what sort of body that should be and whether it should have pu- public hearings and what powers uh, it should have available to it. And what, so what, what, what Labor wants to be talking about, in my view, what they need to be talking about, is that this is a government that's just run its race. Yeah. Yeah, because so that's, that's when the, accountability becomes that issue. Yes. So it's not about ICAC and who's no. going to create it and what it's going no. to look like. It's going to be an IBAC no. or a Triple it's, C or an ICAC. It basically gets to tired, worn out government. We've had to flick ministers here, there, and everywhere. Yeah. That's just um, getting. It's a, it's a government that's getting old and making mistakes. Yeah, and, and I, that's I, the thing that they need to be hammering day in and day out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I, you I, don't I totally tell, agree with that. Because you don't tell people that they were stupid to vote for, for the Liberals last time. That's that's yeah. a bad move. We the Labor Party did that. I say yeah. we because I was, I was involved were wrong. in those. You yeah. were wrong. Yeah, you yeah. never say yeah. that. People are as, always wrong. As, as, as a, as a, I was involved in the Labor Party in those days, and the Labor Party did that all through the Howard years. They told them they told people that they were stupid for having voted for Howard in ninety six or ninety eight, whatever the previous election was, and people are going to say, "Well, we're not stupid." Um, you know, we voted for him because we thought he was better. He was better. So don't tell them they were stupid to vote that way last time. Tell them that the government's run out of steam. Um, it's lost its capacity to govern properly and be accountable. Um, and it's time for it's time to refresh the government. Yes, um, it's yeah. the, it's Put the some energy en- energy yep. into government for a change. Yes, I totally agree with you there. So the coalition, of course, and Scott Morrison is happy now because there is this issue of. Uh, leadership. Um, uh, he's uh, scrambled to, to a, a considerable gap 
as preferred prime minister in polling. We'll get to polling shortly, but he has sort of extended a bit of a margin. Was looking very close there for a while. Um, and so Morrison will have to talk about leadership uh, and and. Uh, and, and seek to expose uh, Albanese as uh, continue to expose Albanese as a person with no credentials uh, for the Prime Minister's job. He's never framed a budget, uh, according to uh, Scott Morrison, uh, has very little experience, that sort of thing. I think one of, the, one, one of the issues around Morrison and the Libs doing that is that they tend to play into that just what we were talking about before, tired old government who've been around for a while. So there, there is a sort of line, uh, I think, on, yeah. on, that they don't want to cross on this. Oh, well, yeah, I've been that's, Prime Minister that's, for... That's, they're only saying I've been Prime Minister for five years and I'm, before that I was Treasurer, uh, handed down two budgets, and before that I was Social Security Minister and all this sort of stuff because of remind, hey, these guys really have been in power for a long time. Well, that, that's a problem, but they're going to have to pursue that. Uh, there was an interesting piece in the nine papers um, uh, this morning about the preferred prime minister um, uh, poll and and how how Morrison has bounced back a bit with that. Um, his figures, on, at least on their polling, was was quite a bit better. And uh, the journalist trotted out the old line about the two blokes going for a hike in the. Uh, in the in the bush in, in in North America, and they're being chased by a bear. Uh, and 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 he says, "Well, of course you haven't got to outrun the bear. You've just got to outrun your mate. Uh, <laughs> That's right. Uh, uh, to survive. That's right. Um, you and, actually and, can't and, outrun the bear. They go. They're, they're pretty quick. Pretty quick yeah, on their feet. Yeah. Uh, um, and uh, and he was sort of drawing from that that. Morrison didn't need to be terribly likable. He just needed to be more likable than Albanese. And I would go further than that. I actually don't think the likability matters much. People people don't vote for a government or vote back in a prime minister because they intend having them over for afternoon tea. Mm. Um, uh, what they want is someone who won't make too much of a mess of things. So what you've got to be is just look a little bit more competent than the other fella. Yes, and look, preferred prime minister polling is a little bit questionable anyway. And if you're mm. if you're if you're a prime minister and you're not leading in the preferred prime minister polling consistently over a period of time, well, then you've got a big problem. And opposition leaders don't tend to feature um, as uh, you know, don't don't tend to lead in that sort of polling, um, but still could have a chance of winning. I mean, I, I don't think the example of uh, contrary to that is when Kevin Rudd became leader of the Labor Party late 2006 and uh, uh, became the, Australia's preferred Prime Minister for the next year until he was elected uh, into that position. But um, it, 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 and, it and, is... And, st- and stayed there until people got to know him. <laughs> yeah, it, it's not a, I mean, but it's not a question of likability. It is no, really a, a, a question of competence, that PM polling. Um, and and uh, when we get to that, um, we do see that the Reserve, well, that's the uh, Fairfax Papers or Nine Papers, uh, have Labor in primary vote, Labor 34, Coalition 35. That's very low. That is very low. And very low for Labor too. Labor need to be in that high 30, um, beyond 35s to really be strong to win the election. Now, the, in terms of, um, do you minor, think we're he- do you think we're heading down the French track where the neither well, of the French neither of the French major major parties made five percent? Well, <laughs> not not quite yet, but that's the trend. The trend is, and it's just been in decline really. With I think two thousand and seven being a little bit of a, a little bit against the grain, um, but in terms of primary vote, um, it's been shrinking from the 90s, low 90s, in in the 1970s, now to a point where I think we got to 71 uh, in 2019 in terms of primary vote, that is the two majors put together. And um, and now it's 34 Labor Coalition 35. In a separate question, Respondents said that, uh, or 27% of respondents said that they were undecided as to where they were going to, uh, who they were going to vote for, Jack. That's, that's a pretty significant number, isn't it? And it tells it us that this coalition, uh, sorry, that this campaign is, is going to determine the result. 
It will. There's, there's I mean, absolutely there, no there are, doubt about that. Just, but, there are but, just so, so many few fewer rusted on voters than there used to be. Yeah, that's you know, um, both of us spent a fair bit of our misspent youth um, in, in, the, in the inner northern suburbs of Melbourne. Um, and there were pretty much whole suburbs there where nearly everybody voted Labor. Yeah, yeah. Well, you get back to um, um, yeah. I'm just trying to think of the name of the seat, <laughs> seat now where I where I grew up, and it was safe Labor. Nothing ever happened. You'd never see a polit- You'd never see a political leader there because there was no point. Well, no, no point one's going to waste their day. No, no one's going to waste their day going to Brunswick or um, uh, or Preston or um, you know or, or Carlton or Carlton for that matter. Until recently, yeah. Um, yeah, Carlton indeed. Um, yeah, so we thought there'd be a news poll uh, released, uh, but they're every two weeks, and I think that'll 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 speed up. So we'll do the news poll next week. Um, the other thing that uh, that struck me was that UAP and Fon, who are both sitting between two and three uh, percent in the reserve poll when it was last taken a fortnight ago, are now up to four. It's not a huge leap. But it tells you that they're starting to make some inroads on that in that primary vote, and that's so. UAP, I think, is just so close to four that that they didn't they called it four because it's actually three. Um, and of course, that vote will be much much bigger in Queensland and perhaps in parts of northern New South Wales, and, and as you would expect, the Fon vote to be. Does um, does Big Clyde um, uh, does his stuff trans translate south of the Tweed at all? I... Yeah, look, uh, it's uh, he ended up getting about three percent across the board, but um, uh, there was some there was some fairly you know fairly significant. I mean, they didn't win seats, but you know they, they were they were. Advertising heavy across the country, so there's billboard advertising in Melbourne, and they ended up getting a few votes there. It made no impact whatsoever in terms of um, in terms of people voting for them in Melbourne seats, for example. And one he's of the such, great- he's such a Queenslander, he's like Big Kev, you know. Um, uh, he's you know. <laughs> maybe I'm not watching the advertising enough, but 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 in 2019 it was wall to wall. And it's just not at the moment uh, for Big Clive. So he might have sort of said, well, I'm not going to spend an estimated $70 million in advertising last time. Um, he said he'll spend $100 million this time. For me, anyway, I just haven't experienced that, you know, that overall, every ad break you'd see Big Clive come up. I just haven't experienced that yet, but maybe maybe they're booked all the time in for the next four or five weeks. Maybe they didn't bother spending it over Easter because, because the, Easter, the Easter weekends have been, been a little bit like a rest day and a test match, hasn't it? Yeah, it has been. Yeah. In fact, both both Albanese and Morrison uh, took the day off on Friday, uh, no campaigning then, and I think they pretty much did the same on Sunday. And, and Elbo did turn up at uh, the um, the Blues Festival at Byron Bay, Jack, and he was, was cheered. At first, and then was booed at a later yeah. function. Oh, turned up with yeah. Barnsley. No one boos Barnsley in Australia, mate. Oh, well, perhaps the people in Byron do. I don't know. Um, yeah. what, the one thing I wanted to talk about, just very briefly, is just to clarify, he said a lot of people thought in 2019 that the UAP primary vote uh, basically was the was the was a significant reason for Labor not winning, and that's just not true. In fact, you you see that. Um, that uh, the Palmer vote uh, preferenced uh, Labor about 60-40, that is Labor 40. So they didn't lose out significantly from from the UAP vote in 2019. How it goes this time, they uh, Big Clive reckons um, that they are preferencing the Coalition and Labor last. You can't have both last. Um, mm. So they're going to have to put one or the other above that. But... Um, yeah. Maybe yeah, in Queensland you can have both last. I don't know. Well, well, the thing is, I mean, look, last last election, uh, Clive actually paid for people to go and hand out how to vote cards, uh, and so they were reasonably, um, uh, they were reasonably uh, in reasonable numbers around polling booths around the country. But the thing you find with Fon and generally speaking UAP is they don't have the people to hand out how to vote cards, so. 
people go in there and if they want to vote UAP, then they'll work out their preferences from there. And that's well, the way it goes. Back in back in the day, remember the Australian Democrats? Yeah, of course uh, I do. And they were pulling up pulling up a decent chunk of the vote um, uh, uh, for a few years there, but they never had enough people to hand yeah. out how to vote cards um, uh, in uh, the middle suburbs in Melbourne, you know, um, Ivanhoe, Templestowe, those sort of areas. Um, but that, that was overcome because the Labor Party used to send people out there to do it for them. I know, Jim, I know, I know because I, I, I used to organise that uh, <laughs> for, in, in a couple of couple of booths. Just generous, just making sure democracy works. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that's right. You know, so you'd find you'd find a few of your less labour-looking fellows, the sort of people who wear hand-knit jumpers and all that sort of stuff, and send them out there to hand out Democrat. Uh, no but, beards. No yeah, beards. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, no, looking unthreatening uh, mm. and handing mm. out aid. Mm. Yes, look, that's the way it works. So for the minor parties, you, you know, perhaps Queensland not... You know, most Queensland polls you'd expect Fond to be at uh, um, UAP, perhaps most Queensland uh, booths, um, but elsewhere around the country, anyone who wants to vote for either of those are going to have to pretty much make up their own minds about who they're going to preference, and that'll be very interesting in itself. But in the, historically, it's been sort of 60-40 UAP, that's 40 Labor, 60 Coalition, and Fond it's 65-35, thereabouts. Okay, so the betting markets, Jack, and I uh, I watch these very closely, uh, looking for trends and uh, to see uh, to see whether uh, people who are prepared to punt money on on the result are any smarter than the polling companies. And we have seen this week in the head. They, they were closer last time. Yeah, they were indeed, and uh, we we actually did start seeing some very strong trends, particularly in uh, coalition held marginals in Queensland. Uh, where uh, where the bookies were favouring had favoured Labor initially, and then and and then by by the end of the campaign had, had basically uh, installed uh, the coalition as firm favourites. Uh, we're not at quite at that stage yet. Just head to head, uh, look. Last time, twenty nineteen, it basically didn't budge, and Labor got down to about a dollar ten, I think, at one point. With the coalition around four dollars, and but it really didn't budge. Now this has as this has changed quite a bit um, uh, since the election was called. Uh, Labor's come out from a dollar thirty to a dollar sixty-seven, which is the current quote. Uh, coalition was at three ten, and now it's two ten. So those are those are pretty big changes in that head-to-head. Tells you a couple of things. So we don't ever know how big the pools are. <laughs> In, uh, in in um, in betting markets for elections, we just do not know that do not know that information. So even if, the, they, even if they gave you the figure, you wouldn't believe it. You wouldn't believe it exactly. <laughs> right. yeah. And if you sat down and analysed it enough, you go, "That's not right." Um, so yes, what we're probably seeing is some money coming money coming in for the coalition. Um, and, I think and what some, it looks like betting to me, activity. What it looks like to me is it's an indication that the election is going to be closer than most of the pundits were saying three weeks ago. Well, this, you know, if the markets are right, it, it, it means it's going to be basically five seats either way. Hmm. Uh, and, and so I do this analysis and I did I did this to start the campaign in the Australian last week uh, where Labor were favoured to win in eight or nine, and I'll clarify that only because Bass is very close. A dollar eighty-five Labor Coalition, dollar ninety-five. So you, you know you wouldn't say that they were firm favourites, uh, Labor to win to win Bass. But in in eight other seats, including Braddon in Tasmania, Labor were reasonably well favoured to win, and it with a week now, uh, a week now betting. There haven't been any really strong trends emerge, but Labor continued to be favoured in those same eight seats. So Braddon in Tasmania, Bass we've mentioned before, where they marginally lead the coalition. Swan and Pierce, where they're fairly firm favourites, Labor fairly firm favourites to win Swan and Pierce in WA. Chisholm in Victoria. Um, and the coalition has come in there from $3.70 to $3.00. 
Labor uh, Labor at a dollar thirty five there. Reed and Robertson in New South Wales. When the coalition is out just marginally in in Reed to two forty was it two twenty five? Now they're two forty. Uh, and Longman in Queensland. Uh, Longman in Queensland is the, the Queensland changer where there's been no change in the market. And Boothby in South Australia where the coalition has gone out from 220 to 255. So no real strong trends emerging other than um, um, uh, we're, we're looking at uh, some seats where early punting is indicating that Labor will win. Uh, in these in these uh, in these key marginals, in terms of uh, in terms of the uh, labour held marginals, there's really not a lot there to be gained. I I, I, uh, I did see I did see Eden Monero, which labour holds by less than uh, less than one percent. The, the coalition was seven dollars to win there, and I mentioned that in the column last week. That's come into six dollars probably on my mention of it. Because uh, it just seems a little bit, you know, you're six to one, six to one there when you really only need one percent to change things overall. Uh, the only exception to that is Gilmore, but again, Labor is favoured in, in the markets to win that, um, with a little bit of movement, not much towards the coalition. Coalition just shortening a bit there. So that tells us one that there's probably not been a lot of money invested just yet. Uh, that people are waiting and seeing. Punters on elections are waiting and seeing. But there's uh, tw- 27% undecided. Yeah, and so, yeah, that's right. So you, you, very early days. We'll, we'll start seeing some trends emerge over the next, probably over the next two weeks, I would think. Hopefully start seeing some trends emerge. Um, and the, I guess the big news story is that, you know, Labor's out from a buck 30 a week ago to a dollar 67 now. Well, the thing about long campaigns is that, is that um, a lot of people are, are, are tuned into the campaign right from the beginning, but, but those people have generally made up their mind who they're going to vote for. So it's the undecided people who are going to decide the election in a sense, um, and a lot of them don't seem to me to turn their mind to it until it gets way closer than now. That's probably right, and, and we, we're going to sort of pick up on that theme as we as we close today. The, the issue, I guess, with pre-polling is that you've got uh, what, yeah, well, twelve about about, about three weeks, uh, three weeks uh, almost until. In fact, I think it's three weeks today until the polls open, uh, and you can and you can have uh, and you can have a vote. And that's the that's May nine with uh, with the election day on, on the twenty first. Yep. So, so the the window is narrowing in terms of the you know the power of a campaign. We can't obviously say that as of May nine the coalition or sorry the campaign just drops into a sort of mute stage because that you know really that's just the first day. But that's the critical date because that's when people are going to. Uh, look at voting. Maybe not the ninth, but maybe the tenth or the eleventh or. But that fifty percent, that fifty percent, don't vote in the first two days. It's open. They vote over that two week period. Yeah, that's right. Like, well, they vote when it suits them. So mm. that's that's the whole idea that it's convenient. So there you go. We'll uh, we'll keep the we'll keep the betting updated just to see if there's any value there. If you wanted a bit of a tip, it'd be Macquarie. Uh, which is a labour held marginal by I think point two percent. So, uh, and uh, and in Macquarie the coalition is six dollars to win that. I think that's half a reasonable bet, really. This way out, if you don't really care who wins, um, <laughs> five to one on a on a two horse race uh, that. Um, uh, that went down to the wire last time, and that seems to me to be a reasonable bet. Yeah, but we're not encouraging you to bet. We are, well, you know, we are a bit. <laughs> uh, we can we can throw in all the all the all the punting disclaimers you like. I mean, it's not as if you you know you're going to emerge on May 22 and say, "Jesus, I've just I've just I punted the house on on the libs and they've lost." Yeah. I mean, that's not going to happen. You can do them on paper. You can do. You could do your nuts on a poker machine, perhaps even on a horse, um, uh, or, or not a horse race, but a, a, but a race card, but not an election. <laughs> Surely not. Anyway, 
No. Uh, well, look, we have uh, mentioned the Peter Knott, um, uh, well, we're calling it now, the Peter Knott Memorial, when things go wrong in the campaign. And this is story number two. Peter Knott was a Labor member for Gilmore and a much-loved one, a bit of a character. We talked last week how he was supposed to in, uh, supposed to organise a campaign, uh, a, 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 a campaign, basically a media stunt for Paul Keating in 1996, and uh, where, where, where Keating would turn up at a bakery and ask all sorts of questions about um, John Hewson's GST and, <laughs> when Keating arrived, poor old Noddy had just not spoken to the baker enough because the baker started complaining about all sorts of taxes besides the GST and Keating left in a half. Uh, and from that point on would only refer to Peter Knott in the third person as the cunt from the pie shop. So this is Peter Knott story number two. And he was out. Peter Knott, this is the 1993 election campaign. John Hewson had a uh, had uh, had his GST ready to go. And so Peter Knott is out as the candidate, the Labor Candors candidate for, for Gilmore is out door knocking in Kiama, lovely little uh, beachside uh, town uh, in uh, the beautiful New South Wales south coast. And, uh, and he came across a, a, an elderly couple who were sitting on the veranda and he uh, spoke over the fence. He said, can I come in and, can I come in and talk to you about, uh, about, about the election campaign and, and the GST and what it might mean to you? He had his spiel all down and they, they yes, they'd love to have him in. And so they opened up the door and, and uh, would Noddy looked around and, and he saw a German shepherd just come as he opened the gate. The German shepherd walked in. He just figured, well, this German shepherd come in. And, and they, they, the elderly couple didn't mention anything about the dog when it marched straight into the house. So he just didn't think anything about it. And he sat down on the on, on a chair and they were on the couch and the elderly ladies got up and made uh, tea and got some cakes out and so forth. Noddy's got into his spiel about the GST, the evils of the GST, and why it will be, uh, you know, a financial apocalypse for these two couple, in, for this couple in particular. And as he's talking, the dog <laughs> has jumped up on the couch and has grabbed a couple of cushions, brought them back on the ground, and is just tearing away at them. And, uh, and Noddy's just trying to keep on. Keep on with his story, and uh, and, and it was very difficult because the dog was becoming more and more aggressive with the cushions and ripping them apart. Feathers are flying everywhere inside this lounge room, and so he's, he just he can't do anything else. He stops and he says to the what to, says to the couple. He says, "You know, I really don't mind if you want to discipline the dog." <laughs> the elderly lady said, "We thought it was your dog," so. <laughs> Peter Knott's actually invited the dog in there and uh, a strange dog has emerged that they were just so, this lovely old couple just didn't mind. They were just loving, they were just loving to, loving to hear from Peter Knott. They didn't mind if he brought this crazy dog inside the house. So there you go. That's story two. Peter Knott Memorial When Things Go Wrong in the Campaign. Stories. Uh, we'll get on number three next week. Things, uh, James, things can things can be a bit fraught when you're out campaigning. Like that, <laughs> anything can happen when you're door knocking. Anything can happen. Uh, so, Jack, wrap, wrapping up on the week ahead, are we still in fake campaign mode? We sort of alluded to this a bit. You know, when do you think it'll pick up? Or if we are in fake campaign mode, do you think it'll pick up over Anzac Day, which is uh, today week? What do you think? Are we still playing practice matches or are we playing for the points now? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Are we still having a kick kick in the park or or, or is this going to be serious? We must be annoying Margaret Simons if she ever if she ever ever listens to this. Um, because we have just we just attend to the sports metaphor just about every time, don't we? Well, we do, especially when she writes a column telling us we shouldn't. <laughs> Please stop doing it. Uh, <laughs> she she does have a kind of a school marmish um, oh, air, air oh. about her. So you know. Oh, and can you you know just the air of authority, <laughs> assumed authority too. Anyway, we won't pick on her right now. Well, we might a 
and, 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 and I've always I've always had the same attitude to people who back when they were school my school teachers I was always doing the same thing so uh, <laughs> the, the more they told me not to do something the more I did it I think so, <laughs> so are we still playing the practice matches that's the question yeah, or has well, uh, round one kicked off well well as I said before I, I just think that the people who are going to decide the election a lot of them probably aren't all that interested just yet you know? yeah well, there's so many distractions. Just, you know, and look, we've had Easter, which is a great yeah. time for people to get together, school, families. School holidays around the country. School you know, holidays yeah. as well. And then uh, and then we've got Anzac Day uh, today week. We're recording on the 18th of April, Easter Monday. Uh, and uh, next week there'll be Anzac Day. Uh, big game of footy. Big, game, big games of footy all over the country, actually. And then maybe things will settle by perhaps the 26th, and then we've got that window, the 26th to the 9th, um, and that should be really, really intense. That would be a time you wouldn't want to make a gaffe. That would be a time um, where uh, uh, where you'd want to get your story out and you'd want to communicate about the things that we've talked about with uh, Jack's do not discuss list uh, from um, for, for the Labor Party uh, and, uh, and the coalition not wanting to appear too old. No, too, no, too old no. and stuffy. Sorry, sorry, Margaret, but I think that's the period when they're going to have to be in form. <laughs> you can have to find a bit of form, yeah. and I think I think it's right too. We do need a, a rank medium placer to bob up and bowl elbow one, just short outside the off stump, so we yeah. just get off the mark and, <laughs> and a nice easy boundary. Do you think? Do you think this first week has mattered at all? Not a great deal. I mean, look, I think that the elections often tighten up when they when the campaign starts anyway. So that's what we've seen. So is it much different? No, not really. Does the media just, you know, overplay this stuff too? You know, I watched the insiders as you did and they were fervent that things had been, that things had happened, that, you know, <laughs> almost insurmountable things had occurred and I, I just didn't buy it. No, well, they've got to talk about it like that yeah, because that's true. you know um, that's the way. And and for their audience, the people who are political nuts, of course, it does seem that important. But for the people who who get to vote uh, in the in the important seats, it isn't. Well, Jack, you you're in Hong Kong. I'm in a safe Labor seat, so uh, we won't have any people door knocking. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Peter not uh, Peter Knotts of this world door knocking on us, but uh, we'll keep a very close eye on the election all the same over the next week. Listeners, it's been great to have you along. Thank you so much. We hope you've given, we hope uh, that we've given you some enlightenment over what's actually occurring in the election campaign. Hard hats and high visits call. If you've liked this episode and. Uh, please, we ask you, so I can promote this myself a little bit, but it's almost like, as Joel Hill says, masturbating in front of the mirror. It, uh, it, it It's really just not a, something that you can do. So if you've enjoyed this episode, please give us a reference on uh, social media, on Twitter in particular. Let us know how much you've enjoyed it. I'll enjoy the feedback. Um, but also, we need to get uh, we need to get this uh, podcast out there. It is an alternate an alternative to the sort of standard journalistic output in this period. And uh, if you've enjoyed it, give us a little bit of a push along. Thank you very much, listeners. We'll see you later. See you, Jack. Cheers, mate.